right. You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the Throwback Podcast. I'm Bob Castrone doing the U2 album alone today. Nobody else in the garage. Just me tackling my favorite album of the Willennium, U2's All That You Can't Leave Behind. Giggling across from me is the one and only Dan Hansis. Hello, Dan. Well, I guess you aren't alone. I guess I'm not. I'm never alone. Uh, you are, Bob. That's in your heart and in your mind. You're all alone. I'm all alone. And it's how you will die. All alone. <laughs> you also left out a part of the intro, which was welcome back to the garage, which is really and uh, you know a little uh, broadcasting one-on-one, Bob. You want to take people into the setting. You want to make it feel like they're mm. in the room. And you, when you skip over that, it basically leaves people floating. I never listen to uh, your side of the table. Like, I never listen to anything you say, so I've never noticed you said that. So that's fascinating. Oh, damn. But I like it. You're right. Hi, Bob. Hi, Dan. What's up? Oh, man. You must be happy tonight. I am very happy. Um, I am a little bit nervous. Uh, I have a feeling. Remember the first time you took out the Mangash and it was like, oh, I'm going to actually get some action tonight. Mangash for new listeners means penis. <laughs> the first time that, you know, the young love. Oh, yeah. You'll never forget that. You'll never forget the butterflies. The, f- the first time another hand touches your mangash. It is it is mind blowing. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. Because <laughs> I'm touching. Your I mangash. know it's coming. It's not like, you know, wait, hey, wait. maybe I'll get lucky tonight. No, I know it's happening. It's, it's like, how it's happening. It's like you're taking your college girlfriend out to Valentine's dinner. Mm-hmm. It's happening. And you have no money. No. And you're dropping the $74. Oh, man. It's happening for 74 bucks, including tip. Plus that tip, baby. Plus tip. Oh, fuck. You got you to gotta work extra. Yeah. That's how I feel right money. now. Wow. I have to say this is... When you factor in all of... The, the background that surrounds this particular U2 album, this is probably the most important album in my life in terms of the, the buildup around its release back in 2000 mm-hmm. to how often I listened to it and the ensuing uh, years afterward and the tours and all that. This is it, Bob. Not to mention the implications it had on America. When Bono orchestrated the attacks of September 11th to support the album. So it really has done a lot. Not even I, Bob, as an ardent U2 fan, will say that U2 shouldn't be on the board. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for giving me that. When you are, we have in this garage, Bob, Mm -hmm. we have a huge blackboard. Not even a white erase board. It's like an old school blackboard. Well, there's there there are multiple boards. There's the cork the board. The whole place. There's yeah. the cork board. With the red lines. With the, the red, red lines, the string going from one picture to another. There's the blackboard, which a lot of mathematical equations that we erase. Many. Also the It also is one of those yeah. blackboards with the ladder. Yes. On wheels. Yes. There's also you know, the the window that we use the wax, the red wax with the equations so on, the on the window. Yeah. 
but you really know that you're doing some serious shit when you have the ladder on wheels at a blackboard. Mm-hmm. That's when you're real. That's like time travel level shit. And that's right. what we're doing. That's like that goodwill hunting shit right yeah. there. That's mm-hmm. what we're on. We're on that beautiful mind shit. And we will get to the bottom of things. Um, yeah, the idea that that U2's popularity was waning in the United States right around the turn of this century and then the worst terrorist attack of all time happens and U2's career goes skyward. I, even as the most vocal Bono defender there is, mm-hmm. I cannot say that should not be on the board. That's, That's a, on the board. It's on the board. And it's underlined. It is the board. We have one blackboard that just has four letters, <laughs> three feet high, Bono. Bono, question mark? <laughs> Erase the question mark, period. I get it, Bob. Thank you. So whatever we're going to talk about in this show, yeah. it will not be me denying U2's role or potential role in the September 11th attack. Of course. And I'm not going to harp on it because we both know that that's what happened. I'd rather well, now just- you took it too far. Put because that, all this not stuff know, in, the, not know. in the garage, right. we have never been able to pin it down exactly. Right. No. Although, but when I'm well, we know Shaggy had a pretty big Shaggy had hand a role. in it. But when I'm chain smoking cigarettes, looking out that same window that we use with yes. our with our uh, markers, I'm thinking like, I know it was him. I just need to prove it. Why can't right. I prove it? So that's when I said no. But the point I wanted to make is, I'm not going to harp on that. I want to listen to the album, enjoy it for what it is, the most important album of your lifetime. And when I say that, there's also you're looking out the window and then the, the phone rings and you look at it and the answering machine picks up and it's like, Bob, it's it's Heather. I was just wondering if you're coming home. The kids the kids want to know if you're coming home tonight. You know, they mi- We miss you. Yep. But I can't. I'm busy. Can't. The world needs me to just connect that red string from one board to another. Get on my ladder with wheels, do a little equation, and figure this fucking thing out. T O N O. I get it. Mm-hmm. Right. Not the greatest album ever, Bob. I'm not going to say that. But when you factor in my, my love of music, mm-hmm. this is, dare I say, ground zero. <laughs> See, put that on the board, put you on the board. It all makes sense. Um, I'll, just a little bit of background, Bob. So I was. When you we often like, oh, when did this album come out? I could tell you this album came out October 30th, 2000. You know exactly when it came out. And I could tell you that I was a transfer, transfer student in my first year at Northeastern University in Boston. And I could tell you that at 11.15 p.m. I was online at Newberry Comics waiting for midnight to get the album, which... You two, like we said, their previous album, Pop, was kind of a big bust here, uh, sales-wise. So they weren't very hot at the time. So it wasn't a line of U2 fans. There were some U2 fans, I imagine. Our friend Sam was with me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there were a lot of... PJ Harvey put out an album that had a lot of people online excited. And there, were, I, there was a hip-hop artist also. But I was on the line to get the U2 album. And this, this went, Bob, this was the culmination of... Months and months of excitement and message board posting on interference.com, <laughs> the U2 fan site. Oh, I know it well. Uh, where fans dissected every aspect of the 
kernels that had come out leading up to the release of the album, Bob. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I still remember laying in my bed on uh, Huntington Avenue in Boston, listening to it as I fell asleep. You're painting a beautiful picture for a piece of shit album. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't think it's a piece of shit album. I'm, it's not. It's, it's definitely not. And you owned it, Bob. Well, so. this album, not only does it mean a lot to you, it also uh, means a lot to me as it was the most gifted album to me in for Christmas, ever. the year 2000, ever. For like, many people of our age and demographic. Because of the, uh, the singles on it, because of the, uh, the, the sense of dread in our country following September 11th. So I would have gotten it Christmas 2001. I got about 11 copies of this for Christmas <laughs> because people knew I liked music and there wasn't a lot of good music at the time. You know what you built? The Edge's Malibu home that he's <laughs> getting sued over? <laughs> I'm responsible. For, because it's tearing down like forests? Uh-huh. You're responsible with your 11 copies of all that you can't leave behind. I didn't ask for it. People just thought, oh, Bob likes music. This is rock and roll. Let's get him the new U2. And the reason why, and now it's 19 years ago that it came out this this fall. But the reason why was that it was the perfect album for your aunt or your mom or your stepmother or whomever. It's like, oh, U2. I know them. Yep. They're popular. Yep. Oh, Beautiful day. That's played on PLJ. I know that song. <laughs> I know that. And uh, and that just, oh, it's like on a it's on an end cap at Walmart or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like I'll pick this up for eleven ninety nine. Bob's taking care of that piece Done. of shit. Don't That's have to think it. about, have to his think gift about that anymore. little fucking asshole. That ungrateful <laughs> asshole. Uh, so yes, and, and it, you and many others uh, were in that situation. But yeah, so like, never was there an album that I was more excited about, never an album that I listened to more. And uh, to this day, while I don't think it's their best work, I honestly have very warm feelings. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wedding song is on this album. uh, And I think some of their best work, certainly of this, uh, the last 20 years, is right here on All That You Can't Leave Behind. Well, let's get into it. Let's go back to October 30th. 2000. Hey, you know that little hip hop group that uh, also had an album come out that day? Oh, who was it? That was Outkast. Oh, Stankonia? Yes. Wow. How about that? Wow. That's a big one. Also uh, debuting in October, the year 2000, Curb Your Enthusiasm, your favorite show, Ed, on NBC. Ed. Was uh, shot in our hometown. Yeah, there were some scenes there. At the jewelry store. The ball, in Bowling Alley in New Jersey. You know, I went to uh, that jewelry store in um, Pearl River this summer. I was looking for earrings. Oh, my, wow. my two little nieces recently got their ears pierced, so I wanted to get them like little like shamrock earrings. I was just being it's a, a good little, uncle. A little on the nose. Well, you know, you know Pearl River. Irish people, Pearl River, shamrock earrings. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But that's what I was doing. So I go into the jeweler, jeweler and it's the same guy that's been there for 100 years. Mm-hmm. And I remember like in college going there to get like a necklace for my girlfriend. Like I've been to that store, but I hadn't been there in 15 years. I went there in middle school and got Kara Stevenson uh, a <laughs> necklace because she was my date to the Valentine's Day dance. That's amazing. You got her a necklace? Well, I really went for it. You get gash? <laughs> so much. <laughs> anyway, the guy that sold you Kara Stevenson's necklace is yeah. still in that place. And and he didn't have the earrings I was looking for. And I said to him, well, 
do you know anywhere else I can go? And he pointed to, of course, there's an Irish store right across the street. Of course. And I said, but I wanted to go to you first because I've gone to you for many years. And he stuck his hand out and gave me a, a wildly firm handshake and say, I appreciate that and I thank you. I was like, that's what <laughs> that's this country it. is missing. That's it. I we love need that. that guy. I like that guy. Michael's Jewelers? Is yeah, that, that was it. Wow. That was a bit of a digression, but I just wanted to get it out there that <laughs> that stuck with me that there's not enough people like Michael of Michael's Jewelers. And I, I can totally feel that handshake because mm-hmm. I've gotten that firm. It was firm as fuck, That bro. firm man handshake from a guy who's been working a long time in Pearl River. Yeah. He appreciated the loyalty to the product. I love that. Anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, Ed came out and MTV Cribs. Oh, but just the so okay. people. That jewelry store is where Ed shot many scenes it was one of the, the characters worked at the jeweler that i believe sounds right something like that i don't that. really know i never really and to this day uh, tom cavanaugh who played ed you could see the sign picture in there and all that mm. shit go ahead bob sorry no that's fine that was that's why we're here dan yeah. is to talk about the scouting locations of ed <laughs> <laughs> where was it uh also mtv cribs which was the uh, first mtv show that i interned for so that's pretty. That was one of the best MTV it really was. shows of that era. It was great. It was so influential. Remember when? Um, what was his name? Fuck. Uh, who's like the funny rapper of the era? Like he had a sense of humor. Well, you're thinking old dirty bastard. Not ODB. That was a very famous Cribs um, when he took them to his uh, mom's house and he cashed his welfare check. Yeah, well, that was the probably the most famous one. But there was the guy that had. Basically, as a joke, put every Cribs cliche into his house. Not Method, Redman. Redman? Yeah. And he had the Scarface poster, and it was like a, like a rundown apartment somewhere in like Staten Island or mm. something. Uh, liked Cribs a lot. That's Good what job I was thinking on Cribs. Of. Old Dirty was like a true life where he did that, where he cashed his welfare check. In the limo. Yes. He went to the welfare office in a stretch limo. That's what it was. Well done. Good times. Rest in peace. Uh Let's see Big what baby else happened. Jesus. What else happened in October? Zach De La Rocha left Rage Against the Machine. We just talked about them. On we our just last did. So this is when it all ended. So, but where has he been? Where has he been? It's been 19 years. It's been planning his next move. Put him on the board. Put him on. Where, what are you hiding from, Zach? Hmm. Uh, we know he kind of hated the government. All right, we'll we'll get into that. Certainly Put that on did. the board. The Yankees won the Subway Series World Series against the New York Mets. Speaking of my college experience, my first year away at school, very lonely, no friends, and I watched that Subway series alone in in my dorm room, and uh, a vaguely sad memory, considering mm. it was considering a world was championship happy. for my favorite team. Yep. Uh, movies that you probably watched completely alone that month, Blair Witch 2. I never saw any (laughs) sequel to the Blair Witch Project, though I did quite enjoy the uh, original. Uh, The Ladies' Man. Is that uh, Meadows? Tim Meadows. Didn't see that either, did you? No, I don't think I did. I I mean, basically the only uh, SNL project we endorse on this show is, uh, is... Obviously. Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 What else is there? What else is there? Corky Romano is the only... Program we endorse. Uh, Meet the Parents and Bedazzled, starring Brendan Fraser. Do you want to hear something insane? I just wrote on NFL.com in their mail in a mailbag column about Bedazzled. How the fuck did you manage to 
to jam a bedazzled <laughs> reference into an article. Someone asked if, if I could take in a... They referenced Blast from the Past. If there was one okay. NFL figure that you could take in an underground bunker with your family for 30 years, mm-hmm. who would it be? And I chose Jets quarterback Sam Darnold, but that's beside the point. But I, I, my, my initial response was, couldn't we have... This is the, I'm all for a Brandon Frazier reference sneaking into this mailbag. Yeah. But couldn't it be attached to a better Frazier vehicle mm-hmm. um, such as... Go ahead, Bob. Name them off. Oh, Encino Man. Encino Man. School Ties. School Ties. Encino Man. Encino Man. Uh, bedazzled. Well, I threw out... Monkey Wrench. The Scout. Monkey Bone. The Scout. I threw out um, even the Devil movie with Elizabeth Hurley, which had its moments. Yeah. Had its moments. I would say Bedazzled is primarily an Elizabeth Hurley movie because she looked foxy in that movie. It's a Hurley vehicle. And this was the uh, the dawn of the Internet. So there was a lot of foxy pictures of Elizabeth Hurley. Why are you saying foxy? Because that was the word, I think, in 2000, wasn't it? Isn't that what people said? That was like uncle talk in 2000. (laughs) It's like Elizabeth Hurley, foxy. Let's go watch Animal House. I'll tell you, two foxy, two foxy dames, Elizabeth Hurley and Bedazzled and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Bending down in that movie Entrapment. Uh, and <laughs> yes, going under the laser. Yes, those were the two big moments. And as the, this is something we talked about often when we lived together in Hollywood at El Contento, not just the two of us. No, there were other dudes Jason there too. Zumwalt, of course, our mm-hmm. friend Ryan. That Brandon Fraser was Hollywood's most famous third choice as a leading man. Yeah, whenever, whenever a big potential franchise would come up, a studio exec would get on the phone and say, all right, let's get Tom Cruise. Sorry, not available. Okay. Will Smith. I think he'd be perfect for this. He passed. Oh, he passed already. Huh. Is Brendan Fraser? Yeah, he's available. Oh, well, I guess let's do it. <laughs> Every that was time. Brendan Fraser's career from 2008. I mean, from like 1997 to 2008. And he else, made a lot of money How else does Brendan Fraser get the mummy? Like, come on. People passed. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. The number one single, Bob? Yes. On... The week that all that you can't leave behind came out was one of your favorites, Bob. You might call her Foxy because you're a creep. Come on over, mm. come on over, baby. Come on over, come on over, baby. Come on over. I get always big on like the in the left speaker being like, yeah, come on, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's to me. It's only to me. Fuck you every night. Like it's always like definitely straight up come on. Yeah. Hey Bob, I'm here. Let's go somewhere. Be alone. Buy me a necklace. Take us to the chorus. Come on. I remember a horrible synthesizer in the chorus. Yeah, that's bad. A pre, a pre dirty Christina. But if you listen to the, it's on its way. Box, it's like, yeah, I'm secretly a whore. It's about. It's all gonna come out soon. After the towers go down, I'm not a good girl. Um, this was on the TGI Fridays mix. So when we worked at TGI Fridays, summer of 2000, summer of 2000, this was. 
on loop, there was like a 14 song mix. Yes. And it was one of these songs was playing. And then on TV, it was either Survivor, which it, it was a season one of Survivor. Yes. And it was a big fucking deal. Or like shows talking about Survivor. You know what song I remember on that mix was the uh, Jessica Simpson, John Mellencamp song. Oh, yes. <laughs> what, was the, what was that? It was. I can't uh, think of it right now. It was the Jack and Diane yes. sample. Yeah, that was on all the time. Also, also on it, strangely, was the um, that fastball single, The Ballad. Oh, uh, yeah. Out of my head. Out of my mind. I was back home a couple weeks ago. My mom's moving down to Florida. Went through a lot of my old stuff. Brought a few things back to L.A., including... For some reason, my TGI Friday's suspenders mm. brought them back. Still has all the flair on there. So do I. I have mine as well. Okay, good. All the flair. I used that as a Halloween costume like two or three years in the aughts. Yeah, that was your go-to. It was like a good standby because you could wear the horse, the stripes, the, the red and white. Stripes, yeah, this that was, was also the last year of the stripes. It was before. And yeah, it was before Fridays got classy. Yeah, you know the classy Fridays all you guys go to. We went to the cool Fridays. They never recovered actually from that. I I wonder if Office Space is what caused them to. I think it go did. away from the the um, flare. Yep. Huh. All right, let's get into it, Bob. Um, track one, right into it, Bob, and one of the most important U two songs ever released. I I mean you're the authority here, so I'm not going to argue that. Let's get into it. Let's do it. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room No space to win in this town You're out of luck Um, the big chorus is coming up in a minute. But uh, I remember when I first saw the video for this, Bob. You know where I was? Well, I don't know. Towson University. What? Yes. Really? We, Sam and why I went you, and made a trip Why didn't you tell me you were there? <laughs> it was in your apartment, your off-campus apartment. It's a beautiful Hillary Burton was the VJ who introduced it. Wow. <laughs> she was foxy. She was, are you doing it again with the foxy? What? No, that was what people said in 2000. Beautiful day, Bob. Uh, the lead single, uh, the comeback single for you two who really, really needed a hit, Bob. And this, this had to have been for you, the world's biggest U2 fan, such a great feeling because there's nothing that feels better than when your favorite band hits it out of the park with that first single. When you hear that first song off the new album and you're just blown away, like, holy shit, they did it. It was the payoff. It was the payoff for, as someone who got into them into the mid-90s when they were in kind of like their weird experimental phase and then stuck with them uh, through the 1997 pop album that everyone basically hated mm -hmm. and just hoped that you would get like that classic U2 single and then it landed and i just remember being completely um obsessed with it and thinking it was perfect 
uh, and I, I, I struggle objectively to talk about you too sometimes, but this is a fucking perfect single, isn't it? It's a great single, especially at the time. It's kind of, I would put it in that same class as, uh, when the dolphins cry by live. <laughs> I agree with that. Where it's just like anthematic and it has like a lot of, uh, they're really putting everything into it, but it has that sort of pop sensibility where you just immediately put it on the radio and it just fits. And you know what I respect about this song? What? I'm going to heap a little praise on you two in this moment. You got this song, and you could, and I'm always fascinated by songwriting and how a song comes together, but being able to kind of identify that this is Beautiful Day, because it feels like a song that should be about a beautiful day. And the lyrics of this song are something that you're not probably thinking of other people like, oh, they'll relate to this or can't, you know, grab onto this, but they will, because it kind of, it's putting it's a- that all out there. It's a band that was ready and wanted to, and, and when they did their whole promotional pu- uh, push for the album, Bono would say, we're reapplying for the title of biggest band in the world. And it makes sense that they put out these albums with these kind of semi-vague, if you're a fan of, uh, I think Bono as a lyricist was much better earlier in his career than he was, because some of this it bordered on like sloganeering at this point. Mm-hmm. But it worked in this setting because they were trying to make just big music that everyone can relate to. And um, the, one of the things that happened, one of the big internet things, it's funny how much the internet has changed, uh, but uh, on on the YouTube fan boards, crazy shit, Bob, went down mm-hmm. about September 2000, mm-hmm. where there was a leak of 30-second snippets of every song. And it was... It was like Zapruder film shit where you would study it all. And I could tell you it's the the final like, kind of coda of this song. Let me just find it here. Um, this part here. That was the only part you got. And I remember hearing that be like, holy shit, they're making a big fucking rock album right, and wow. they are, they are moving out of the experimental phase and they're just, they want to be massive again. And as a guy that kind of like a populist when it comes to music, I had been waiting for them to do this. So mm-hmm. I was very excited about it. I bet I would have loved to have been on that uh, message board if I wasn't banned from it. So t- yeah, take us through that. Well, let's keep going and then we'll get back okay. to that. Cause I banned from a YouTube message. Board. I vaguely remember that. <laughs> Uh, story and I want to hear more. Okay, so this is a very front-loaded album, Bob. In fact, the first four tracks are the four singles from the album. Here is track two. Just trying to find a decent melody 
In a moment you can't get out of uh, the second single on the album, uh, released January 29, 2001, written about his friend, the late Michael Hutchins of In Excess, his suicide. Your thoughts, Bob? Curious about this one. I don't think we've ever really talked about this song, even though it's one of their more famous songs of the last 20 years. It immediately takes me back to September 11th. Stuck in a moment, you can't get out of like, put it on the board. No, Absolutely, no, it's played I, a lot. This was one of those songs that post 9-11 was, I know it came out in January, it had a uh, rebirth in the fall of 2001, where the video was on all the time. It does feel like if you were to make a September 11th playlist, the song would be on it. I mean, that's why it is, it's a little freaky, a lot of the themes of the album and the singles. Um even beautiful day you could like put well it was like a perfect day People in manhattan were, right, right. and all that stuff uh the name of the song stuck in a moment you can't get out of that is what better way to encapsulate like that feeling of dread after 9-11 yeah uh and there's a there's a mel- there's a melancholy to it as opposed to like you're not going to play beautiful day you could like draw the the uh you know put it on the board you could draw the lines to beautiful day beautiful day on september 11th you're not going to play that song right post 9-11 this song was played a lot. Right. And, um, oh, this is my favorite part of the song. It's actually not my favorite song on, uh, of theirs. I feel like it, Almost was like a, a great single, but something's. I always thought something was a little bit off with it. Uh, but I, it is a, a great chorus. It's not my favorite song. You know what it is? The it's album. the harmony. The people singing back up here just are terrible. The people, Bob? Yeah, who is it? That is Dave Evans, known as The Edge. <laughs> hey, uh, The Edge, maybe be the guy who gets some voice lessons. Come on, bro. Dude, don't do that to The Edge. He's got great box, bro. <laughs> He's got that house on Malibu that you paid for. I paid for that house, <laughs> which is never going to get the uh, suspension wall he wants. Wait, what does he want? What's he trying to build? He wants Everybody's build. fighting with him. The Edge, the number the one. The Edge. In case you don't know, here in L.A., it's been written about in the L.A. Times, the number one heel of Malibu, Malibu is The Edge. The Edge owns a huge piece of property on top of like a gorgeous mountainside overlooking the Pacific Ocean in Malibu. And what The Edge would like to do is build essentially... Four mansions oh. side by side uh, that him and three of his friends can live in together as like a a place for like rich Irish rock stars. I don't even know right. like what the whole thing a is. Some commune. Um, and it was it, the Edge says, "Hey, they'll be the most eco-friendly homes in the world." 
But then the other people are like, well, yeah, but you're going to chop down all the fucking trees, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and Malibu is like, you can't do that. You're you not going to do, do that. You can't do it. Um, one funny memory also of this song, Stuck in a Moment, is ly- lyrically, I think it's an amazing song. I think it's the best um, written song on the album by Bono, and it's very personal about Hutchins. Uh, I remember having... Remember the computer labs in college? Oh, yeah. The kids don't know that they were computer labs. Not everybody, there were no real, well, people had laptops, like the rich kids. No, people didn't really have laptops. You had desktops. Right. Very few people had laptops. I didn't get a desktop until later in my junior year of college. So mm-hmm. for the first semester, I would go to the computer lab and I would, I remember being in a email, like pen pal situation with our friend Sarah, mm-hmm. who is my on again, off again flame. Uh, through kind of high school and college. And uh, I remember sending her the lyrics to this and her finding it to be profound that I had mm. sent the lyrics. And it was, I remember it was like, you know, I was kind of leveraging almost Michael Hutchinson's death <laughs> to get some mangash action in you, retrospect. Yeah, you used Michael Hutchinson. But it was all very earnest in a 20-year-old. 20, 20 of course. You're not thinking about the literal meaning of the song in that moment. Head over heels uh, for both the band and also the idea of maybe you know getting laid. Getting somebody else to touch your <laughs> penis. Which is really the driving motivation for almost everything that happens when you're 20 years old. Or, you know, 39, whatever. <laughs> you're alone, by the way, Bob. Families on the other side of the country. They are, yeah. I flew back alone with my guitar uh, from New York, so I'm just—I got a few days without the family. That sounds like a, a nonstop masturbation fest. I mean, let's just keep it real, Bob, because you don't really know how to play the guitar yet, so can't leverage that. Maybe that's what I'm going to use this time for—is to learn how to play the guitar. Yeah, you'll and be not, playing the guitar and not make it a nonstop <laughs> masturbation fest. How about that? You'll be—you'll be plucking the strings, Bob. What does that mean? My dick has strings. What's stringy about that? What's wrong with your dick, dude? <laughs> oh, this fucking song. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, here we go. I like the last song. I like Stuck in a Moment. Who could forget, Bob, you two playing halftime of the 2001 NBA Finals? I can. (laughs) So easily, apparently. (laughs) I should have mentioned, by the way, Beautiful Day, uh, which, you know, was a top 10 hit across the world. That was the opening song of their Super Bowl show they did after 9-11. Right. Which is arguably my favorite U2 moment ever, watching them play halftime and opening with that show and then closing with Where the Streets Have No Name. Um, Elevation was kind of like their big rocker on the album, quote unquote. And I really liked it when it came out because, again, like this is what I wanted them to do. I wanted them to put out a big pop rock album. Right. Because I thought I knew as like a fan that they still had the chops creatively to put out something that would resonate with people. And I wanted them to just say, fuck it. Let's make a big radio album. Mm -hmm. And this is maybe a, a re like an overreach to have a radio single, which they did. It was successful. Yeah. But I get why you don't like it and yeah. why other people might not like it. It's a little stupid. 
I don't think there was a lot of backlash at the time for this song, but no. just hearing it, I'm immediately revolted. Really? Yeah, I just didn't. Eh. Wait, it's not a... You find it offensive? I feel like it's just kind of like a, a big, dumb rock it's song. Like just, it's corny, and I... I see that. Yeah, like, Beautiful Day I like for what it is. This I don't like for what it is. And if I said that I... I think Beautiful Day is a functionally perfect song and Stuck in a Moment is son of Bono's greatest lyrics. Elevation is very bad Bono work. He rhymes high with the sky and my and all that stuff. Right. Uh, it was all just an excuse for the, the big chorus of yelling. And and I will say it was a great tour opener. Like you come oh, out, I could totally see how if you're a fan, this would just destroy. This was by far my favorite. Um, I've seen them every tour since pop mart 97 i'm so sorry my, my favorite tour is elevation i dragged our poor friend mike uh to the providence civic center Do- uh, dunkin donuts arena i'm sorry in providence on halloween 2001 and made him wait on for 12 hours to sit in the second or stand in the second oh row my god uh which is my favorite show of, the, of my life so it was worth it my favorite youtube show was a few years later when we were in the parking lot and uh you proceeded to punch our friend mark in the face <laughs> And uh, break his nose by accident. I don't like that you put by accident as the last part of the <laughs> sentence. Well, no, you kind of, I guess you didn't mean to punch him in the face. You meant to punch him, but no, you, I missed. Did you say kind of didn't mean? No, I did not mean to punch Mark you in the face. You meant to, you threw a punch at his face. You didn't mean to strike him. The great tragedy of it, Bob, is that we had a, a friend, a mutual a, friend, Howie. A friend, Howie. Who's... Um, Longtime buddy, um, we won't say his name, but his sister was joining us in the tailgate at the Meadowlands ahead of this. This was the Vertigo tour. So this was, was the tour, the Vertigo May tour. May 06, it would have been. I agreed to go see you too because Kings of Leon was opening. <laughs> so I was excited to go to this concert too. Hey, Bob, that's like another $55 for the Edge, by the way. I know. Ring it up, Edge. You're welcome, Edge. <laughs> Knock down those trees. I support you. <laughs> you basically have the axe in your hand, <laughs> taking down those beautiful oaks. Uh huh. Um, but I had hit it off. I was in the, like, I was, as they say, Bob, living my best life. Yes. Not only was I hanging out with my closest friends, mm-hmm. uh, tailgating ahead of a U2 concert, this guy had brought his s- sister, who was really cool and cute. And there was talk ahead of time, like, hey, Dan, I think you're going to hit it off with this girl. Like, it, it was, was it was planted in both of you, I the think. The seeds had been planted. Yes. And I remember I was in a semi-dysfunctional, ongoing hookup with a girl, but I hadn't really been in a relationship in a couple of years. And I was, like, very ready to find someone at that stage of my life. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm at the YouTube concert tailgating, hitting it off. We're, I'm making her laugh. She's looking cute. You know, we're grilling, music's playing, Bob's even at the fucking concert. The I mean, concert. there's a lot going on. And then we happened to meet up with our buddy Mark and um, a few other friends. And we had this thing because I live with Mark and two of our other buddies in Hoboken where we would pretend to beat the shit out of each other, which is the type of immature bullshit that a, <laughs> like 24-year-old guys yeah. do. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> instead of saying hello, we would uh, mime... Like a roundhouse right. Yes, all the time. I don't know why. It was just, I, I don't know, it just seemed funny at the time to us. 
I don't think you really took part in it. Not really. Maybe there, it was a Hoboken thing. That was a Hoboken thing. There was also like a monster voice that everybody would do. <laughs> the monster voice was big too. Oh, but... well, I guess I'm just a piece of shit that okay. <laughs> like as fate, yes, always... the monster voice was huge. Yeah. As fate would have it, this fake punch, as I greeted Mark at the tailgate, it didn't catch him flush. No, it barely looked like anything happened. But it, it kind of hit the bridge of his nose or like the tip of the his nose. The tip almost. of his nose. And he immediately developed a nosebleed. <laughs> and um, it wasn't like debilitating to the point where he had to go home or anything. He's, the bleeding stopped. But it was a, eventually, a couple of days later, he went to the doctor because it was bothering him. And it, it turned out that I had broke his nose. <laughs> and the, the, the final indignity of all this is that this, she was slightly older. She was probably 27 or something. Right. Um, that was it. She was oh, done. All this girl saw, saw was this guy that she was talking to and hitting it off with. All she saw was him turn around, punch his friend in the face, give his friend a nosebleed, and ruin the entire uh, romantic dalliance that could have been. And that was it. That and was then it. next time I saw her, she was with a guy that she eventually, I think, got engaged to. Man. Sliding we'll doors, dude. Sliding doors, bro. That one still hurts. Hey, if Mark's nose wasn't such a pussy, then everything could have been okay. Nailed it, bud. Nailed it. All right, let's connect some dots here, Bob. Track one, beautiful day. It was a beautiful day. Tuesday, September 11th, gorgeous day Woke up, in New York. Woke up, in the sky. Track two, stuck in a moment you can't get out of. Man, Weird to explain like that. Just living that over and over again. Track three, maybe a little bit of a stretch, but elevation. The attack came from above. Okay. Track four, walk on. What else can you do? Motivational anthem about... Taking the worst life can offer you and rising above it all. This is, this is, I mean, why do we, why do we even have a board? This was the fourth single released. It was moderate hit. It wasn't a big hit. Um, and it has popped up on various tours in the years since, but isn't like a staple. But I, when I listened to this album and in preparing for this pod, which I do sometimes, Bob, mm. I re-listened to the album. And uh, this is like if you're a U2 fan who's kind of a sucker for like the big open-hearted U2 anthems. Like I am. Oh, you totally I just fucking are. love this song. You totally This song are. just makes me feel good. And I can understand why, like, cynical pieces of shit, like the guy sitting across from me would I see the song. I knew you were going to throw this back at me. As a song that you'd not be affected by, but I am. Man, you think so little of me <laughs> that I wouldn't be affected by this. I, I think it's a song for the open-hearted, which I wouldn't call you... You're more you're more introverted. No, emotionally I know. But sometimes. look, I could even I can get past <laughs> Bono's mediocre voice to appreciate this song. Wow! And See, now you're out of bounds. No, but I do. I like this song despite its the obvious shortcomings. I think that it's a good song. What would you say are the obvious shortcomings? 
Well, you know, the pedestrian lyrics and Bono's <laughs> mediocre voice. But I think it's a good song. And I, I, re- I remember when it came out and I liked it because there was a reason 11 people got me the CD. It's because at the time, it was good. It was good compared to the other music that was coming out in the year 2000. And I liked songs like this. Yeah, don't sleep on that. Like the, and we just did the Woodstock '99 um, podcast, and basically it seemed as if our own um, world of music had just been pushed under a bus and backed over by Fred Durst. Yes, uh, and then lit on fire and raped. Right. So even as like a guy that is annoyed by Bono and you too, as you are, and you're not alone, it's it's easy to appreciate him. Coming out and having this album be like, we want to be the biggest rock band in the world. It's good to have bands like this. Right. And I don't think I was annoyed with him in 2000. I just think I wasn't a fan. I think the annoyance came later, for me at least. I get it. I get it. I can't defend him. One of the biggest issues for you, too, is that they just didn't go away. Right. Um, even if they stopped having radio hits, they just stuck around. I think like the best thing, for instance, that ever happened is Springsteen was he kind of went dark in the 90s. Yeah. And then when he came back, people appreciated him. Uh, U2 could be a band that would absolutely benefit from that, but I don't think it's in their DNA to do that. I don't think he can do it. No. U2 is ultimately going to be remembered, though, as kind of the Billy Ray Cyrus to Inhaler's Miley Cyrus. Bono had to you know, put out these albums in order to uh, eventually move aside and give us Inhaler, the band of his son, the best band. I was waiting for you to let the audience know what the fuck Inhaler is. Well, obviously they all know uh, Bono's son has a band called Inhaler. They're my favorite band. (laughs) I staked a claim to them immediately. You you drafted them. My favorite band. It's like the guy in the fantasy draft that read about a a sleeper and then got too excited and took it took him way too early early. (laughs) yep you took an inhaler in like the third round i took inhaler in the third round and i'm sticking with it no matter what happens bono's oldest son is in a band i actually haven't heard anything on it they're really good they're really good um all right this is kite uh so those are the singles bob one two three four and uh here's kite it has one of the best choruses uh that U2 has ever written. Wow, that's a big statement. Okay, let's hear it. The bridge into the chorus is great, really good. love that chorus and going back to the 30 second snippets that me and all the other interferencers were going crazy about 
that chorus was the snippet for that song, and I was like, "Oh, oh wow, <sighs> wow!" <sighs> I was in the computer lab, just like whacking <laughs> like ash. You were the guy in college that jerked off in the computer lab. There was always one. Is that guy whacking his gash? There was always one. Wow! Can you, can you imagine how widespread um, lab masturbation would have been? And I'm sure it happened a lot, even in our day. But once, like, you porn, oh, forget it, and yeah. X tube and all that showed up. Because no. it was still hard to find. There were yeah, there streaming were streaming video. We probably at Towson. We probably had like one guy every semester who got written up in the Tower Light or newspaper. Ouch. That's a tough place for jerking off in the uh, library. But um, that's y- tough. You're like waiting for like one JPEG to load to jerk off. So like you're really commi- you're really committed to public masturbation in those times. Northeastern had a thing called Direct Connect, which was a godsend, where basically. Today, like by internet security um, standards, it was an atrocity. Right. And and looking back, but essentially it connected everyone's hard drives. So um, that's insane. Yeah, you would have a username, so it wouldn't be your name. Right. But let's say Bono Man Two Thousand. You could go into my account and you could see all my Napster songs. Oh my god! And then all my videos, and um, so essentially that would mean everyone would trade the same porn. So every guy at Northeastern and some women, I'm sure, uh, were basically like getting the gash off to like the same 14 videos. Northeastern was trying to create this like singularity that they talk about in the future. Yes. Like we're just all one big hive mind of one. Including Bob, that's amazing. The, I- the iconic Brianna Banks video, Red Chair Fuck. <laughs> Wow, I can't believe Brianna Banks is coming up on the pod. It's about time. Uh, she's she is a legend. We want to talk about the real legends of the year 2000. Here's a good question, Bob, because uh, that's track five that comes after all those singles. It's called Kite. You had 11 copies of this album. Did you have you heard that song before? Yeah, I mean, I yes, I heard it a lot because I would put that song on mixes at the time. Whoa, that. Whoa! Like, give me a second. Yeah, here. I know you have to process that. Give me a second. I had no idea. I know. I would never have told you. <laughs> you wouldn't. See, no. that's why you're a sick fuck, Bob. <laughs> you, you are your heart. That's why you've always been at odds with this band. You just you can't open up that ticker enough. Look, to I even was, tell me that you would put that on a mix. Well, I was making a mix. <laughs> if I was making a mix for my girlfriend in the year two thousand. I'm not like, you know, running things by you. I'm just making a mix for my girl. No, but like, oh, uh, Dan, like, you know, I fuck around about you too a lot, but I really like that song Kite, and I actually put it on Meredith's uh, mix I made for her. You know how happy that would make me? You would have <laughs> well, said that? I wanted to wait until the right time, which is now. Uh, all right, here we go, Bob. I mentioned my wedding songs on this album. Here it is, In a Little While. Also the song I should note, my junior roommate, Josh Sousa, wherever you are, what's up, Josh? We met, and he was the biggest Matchbox 20 fan alive. Didn't know anything about U2. By the end of the year, I turned him into a big U2 fan, and he would sit for hours and hours at his little desk learning how to play this guitar riff, and I could still hear it in my head, him (laughs) trying to master it over and over again. Here we go. And the daylight has no end. 
Love this song. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorite U2 songs. This is, yeah, I mean, I probably only have three or four favorite U2 songs, and this is definitely up there. Uh, and it's a very simple song, and it's uh, a great kind of, it's a romantic song, I think. And that, Emily and I, my wife, lived on opposite sides of the country. So this song, that idea of in a little while. Oh, here, yeah, that makes sense. So that's why we chose it. Emily's not the biggest YouTube fan. She's been to like 14 concerts now. But, oh, yeah. Um, Just a casual YouTube fan that's been to 14. <laughs> yeah, because she got roped into the industry. Um, but uh, this song she loves as well. So, And it was also on the first mix I made for my wife back in 2007. It's a good song. It's sexy. There's like a sexiness to this Do song. Do you remember there was like, we even talked about like, it was like a news item that like Maria Shriver had commented I remember us joking about it. Like Maria Shriver said it was the sexiest song she'd ever heard. That's so funny. And it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger was banging <laughs> the maid probably while listening to this. Um, all right. Let's just do a little bit. Great song. Fun fact, um, recorded after kind of a long night out because he wanted to have a little extra crackle to his voice. Ah. So that's good stuff by Bono. All right, next up, Bob, uh, we'll go a little quickly through the rest of these songs because not all of them will grab you as much. But here is Wild Honey, which is kind of a throwaway, potentially an mf or a little bit of a Beatles vibe. Turn it up. That's as loud as I can get it. It's funny that you would call this a potential MFR because I see why you're saying that. Right. This feels like the first song that isn't going for something. Right. It's pretty simple. It's yeah. It's simple, but it's a really good song. Yeah, I like it. I, I like it a lot, but I I could see why if you're trying to figure out what what's like an inessential song. This was they don't do these too ma- too often. Where it's like we'll just throw in a song with like a right. nice meld- yeah, melody like if, and if, acoustic guitar. If this was on an album with eleven other songs that sounded like this, I would like that entire album. You know, like I like the sound. Right. Like if Bright Eyes put this out as a song, I would be like, "Oh, yeah. this is my favorite Bright Eyes song." Right. But um, yeah, Wild Honey. I put this on a mix for a girl once. It didn't lead to anything. Okay, that she makes liked sense. it though. 
she really liked the song. So She's I remember, like, why are you giving me a mix with MFers, you piece of shit? <laughs> that was her exact words. Am I an actually. MFer in your life? <laughs> she actually is the one that taught us that term. Um, all right, Wild Honey. Okay, so now we're getting near the end of the album, Bob. Three songs. Um, at this point, Bono's done a real good job reining it in. Yeah. He's done a really nice job in terms of, you know, not... Relatively, for Bono. Not being too Bono-y. Right. To this point. Now he's going to get very Bono-y um, with a song about the strife in Ireland. I forgot about Ireland. He hasn't even talked about <laughs> Ireland at all. No. The, the, he's avoided anything political. Uh, but here he will talk about what he wants, Bob, in a song, a, a song title that only Bono would have the gall to put on the record. You know what he wants, Bob? What does he want? He wants something that we all want, Bob. What do we all want? Bono, tell him. Heaven on earth We need it now I'm sick of all of this Hanging around Sick of sorrow Sick of the pain You know what he wants, Bob? He wants peace on earth. It was so nice of you two to take a break and let Robbie Williams put a song on this album. It does have a little it's Robbie so to Robbie. it. It's so Robbie. Can you see Robbie just like doing his Robbie thing here? And let's, you know, put it on the board. We've already gone over it. Beautiful day. Beautiful day on that Tuesday. Stuck in a moment. Felt like we were stuck yep, in a moment. Yep. Elevation. Attack came from above. Above. Walk on. You got to survive. You got to move on. Peace on earth. That's what they wanted. That's what we wanted. That's what we wanted. Or did we? Because we wanted revenge. We were a little oh. bloodthirsty after 9-11. Yeah, we didn't listen to Bono here. We were just kind of like, yeah, we'll get to peace on earth. First, let's bomb everything. Um. All right. There you go. In Europe, it's a big thing, by the way, to have uh, Christmas singles. Did you know that's a thing? Oh, yeah. I learned that from the movie Love Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I never saw that. Um, Wait, you've never seen Love Actually? No, my college girlfriend broke up with me around that time, so I missed out on a lot of rom-coms in the late 2004, 2005 range. It's so funny because you're so plugged in on the rom-coms leading up to that era. Yeah. Then it went totally dark until about 2006, 2007. You got to plug in on Love Actually at some point. I'm not going to say it's good, but it's definitely worth watching. Okay, I will. But yes, that that is a classic kind of like let's put out a Christmas single, right. "Peace on Earth." Blah blah blah. Okay, uh, Pent Ultimate Track, Bob. When I look at the world, so he's he, I think Edge and Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen, they, they said, you know, Bonnie, you did nice work. You're gonna you're gonna build us new houses on top of mountains. Yeah, we're gonna give you the back of this album to talk about stuff. So here is when I look at the world. The song has a little bit of a Actung Baby type uh, early 90s vibe to it. So I actually kind of like this song, but not essential. Here we go. What is it? 
Oh, so you have to tell the story about interference.com. Yes. Interference.com. So that was the... That was... There were two major YouTube fan sites. There was interference.com and at YouTube. Okay. Now, I... I didn't fuck with that YouTube. Right. I was not about that. But over at interference.com, Mondo fan yep. uh, posted there, especially like when I said when I transferred to Northeastern and had no friends, That was they were my friends. And this isn't a thing that exists anymore, like Forum. Maybe it does. No, I think they're still there, but I mean. But it's, it's not the like, same. Like, no, it's not the same. Early 2000s, 90s, like chat rooms were a fucking big deal and forums were a big deal. Right. And this was a, a legitimate community right. that I was a part of. And now, where do you enter the picture? There was no real social media. This is how you would go talk about the things that you were passionate about. Right. Like you would find a group like that. So uh, you would talk about interference.com all the time. Did I really, though? Because, like, why would I talk to you about interference.com? Because I'm a good friend. I would listen to your bullshit. Like, why would I be like, hey, Bob, you want to hear, like, what I posted on interference.com today? I don't think I ever did You would talk about I mean, how else would I have known about it? I didn't, like, hunt this thing down. Uh, Maybe I said it in passing. You you would reference it. Okay, how about that? It's like I'm not giving you, like, obvious updates. Like, oh, Axfer had really interesting thoughts on (laughs) Rattle and Hum today, Bob. I was probably... Axfer was, like, a big-time poster at the time. Oh, my God. Fucking kill me. (laughs) So you would talk about it. I'm, I'm going back to you talked about it all the time. Okay, you would sure. talk about it all the time. So uh, one day I was like, I got to get in on this uh, interference.com to fuck with Dan. Right. Which the- I appreciate that. I like the idea. Yes. So I signed up and uh, signed up. I get, you know, came up with a username and uh, put it like a, made it like a little bio and uh, submitted it because you had to get approved to join the uh, the forum. What was your plan, by the way, out of curiosity? I don't. I mean, I'm sure I had a plan. I don't remember it. I think it was just to get in there because I knew you were Bono Man 2000. Right. So actually, was, no, that was not my screen name. Oh, maybe I knew your other screen yeah. name. Are it you was Mcfisto 22. I did know that. Yes, I do remember that now. You fucking loser. So I would um, I would go in there and like comment on your post, maybe fight with you. You know, maybe like Mcfisto, of course, the character from Bono and Zoo TV uh, tour. Go ahead. Maybe like troll you. That wasn't a word at the time. But, you know, just like be a dick in that forum. You, to be a dick. Yeah, of course. But I, I, I like the, th- again, I have no problem with this in retrospect. It sounded like a good idea. Right. So I was like, great plan. Submit everything. Uh, a few days later. A little I, sad, a little desperate, but go on. A few days later, I get a message. What else were we doing in 2000? There was <laughs> nothing else going on. A few days later, I get a message from the, uh, the admin. Right. Moderator. Grace, maybe. She was on top of that. I don't know. Saying that um, my entry into the U2 uh, fan page has been rejected due to my username, which was Bono has AIDS. (laughs) You're an idiot. (laughs) Bono, of course, a champion of AIDS rights. Yeah. AIDS research. So my response (laughs) to that, I emailed back and said, Oh my God, not OMG, because that, was, that wasn't invented yet. Not a thing yet. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I meant to type Bono hates AIDS. Please let me in. It's Bob cracking himself up. <laughs> I loved it. Alone. Sorry, meant to say Bono hates AIDS. Can I join? And then they never responded, and that was the end of you my- You were cast out. Cast out. And your so, IP address was logged. And that's the real reason I don't like you two, <laughs> is because I was denied- Admission. What a missed opportunity, by the way. If you just would have went, not gone for the bit, 
there, you could have gone covert. You could have gone underground and interference. You could have been behind enemy lines. And yet she was too smart for you. She you know sniffed what? you out. When I was back in New York going through some of my old stuff, uh, old notebooks and the like, uh, guess what? I was not very subtle in the year 2000. <laughs> there was no real nuance to com- to my comedy when I was 20 years old. It Here's out. something funny. Listen and look. Yeah, that's it. It was really bad. Uh, all right. I said, Bob, sorry. I said penultimate track. This is the second to last track. Oh, don't do uh, that to me. But do you want to know what the title is, Bob? Is it awful? It's actually, again, a little bit creepy. I'm sorry for what I've done. <laughs> Support George W. Bush. <laughs> he will see us through this. This song is called New York. All right, let's oh, listen to it. Man. I mean, it was released October 2000. Bob. I know, because the wheels were in motion. Beautiful day. It was a beautiful day. Stuck in a moment. We all, all right, felt we, that we way. did this already. Elevation. Attack came from above. Walk on. We will persevere. Peace on earth. That's what we want. And now New York. And the hidden track. Takeoffs, but not landings. Oh, not too soon, Bob. By the way, I will say that, again, not my favorite U2 song, but I like the sonic backdrop of the song. Okay. Why is it that every like famous recording artist needs to write a song about the condo they bought in New York? I mean, do you really think you're saying something nobody's said before? Come on. Uh, Taylor Swift did the same thing. I know. On the 1989 album, uh, Welcome to New York, I yeah. think it's called. Yeah, same well, exact premise. Yes, same exact thing. It's like, but, I'm but, in New York. But better. I, I got it. That is a good song. I actually, I don't love Bono's lyrics in this. I will say that this is the first song I hate. On this entire I album. I get it. I think the lyrics are cringy. Yeah. And if I were a fan, this would be the one that I skip over every time. Uh, I'll take the hit there, Bob. Okay. I get it. But maybe you'll change your mind, Bob. You're a, you're a U2 fan first, but you're a... You, you, you're I'm a, a New Yorker you're first. An Ameri- you know? You're a human being with common sense second. <laughs> and I'm glad that sometimes you could see this for what I it think is. you'll like this first, though, Bob. Listen. <laughs> what is he doing? Is he giving a history lesson? Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> there's no way he didn't. Uh, there's no way he didn't write this entire song in a cab. There's no way he didn't write this song. Um, knowing that not knowing that 9-11 was coming if this well that 
if this was a freestyle by a rapper, you'd be like, those are terrible lyrics that he just made up on the spot. The fact that this was written ahead of time. Is well, my, I guess that goes back to my point. I really do like the... Um, it's a nice change of pace, the sound and the, the guitar and the drums and stuff. And I just don't... I, I think Bumble yeah, the delivery. Yeah, if he wasn't lyrics. singing a nursery rhyme about New York over those sonic grooves irish italians oh jews and hispanics religious nuts political fanatics in the stew <laughs> unhappily on. not like me and you oh god i kind of like it inhaler would never do that <laughs> all right bob last track you know how i always say bob i like when an album ends on a contemplative note a little low-key mm-hmm, but you know what i like what? I like our Patreonies that keep this podcast afloat. Who? The Patreonies oh, yes. on patreon.com slash throwbackpod. They're the ones contributing every single month from $2 all the way up to our top tier. Top tier Patreonies like Bruno the Sponsor and Courtney and her husband Wyatt keeping us afloat. So if you want to get involved, patreon.com slash throwbackpod. Good job, Bob. Thank you. Because we almost got banged there. We did. Um, I say I like albums that end on a chill note. You two kind of, that's their thing. They always do it. Here's Grace. I like this song a lot, but we don't really need to dig in on it. Um, I do want to say, Bob, that this album ranked number 280th on Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. How do you feel about that? That feels like recency bias for whenever that list came out feels a little too high it was an important album for one of the biggest bands of the last like 50 years but I'm sure I could look at a hundred albums after that and get angrier and angrier at everyone that it's below this one I mean it's better than any Ben Folds album we'll start there no you see that's where you're wrong you're already wrong (laughs) um it sold 15 million copies, including 11 to you. Yeah. No, I'm responsible for that. They won like 47 Grammys. It essentially... Of course, because re- that's what they do. They're you too. They essentially relaunched their career and allowed them to stick around for another 20 years. Because each sub- subsequent album yes. they put out was a little less relevant. Um, but because they had those... This album, and specifically those first four star- songs that start the album, they were able to hook a whole generation of like college kids right. that became people our age now. Right. I was in a little bit earlier, but that was huge. And what they were able to do, Bob, was do something that, love them or hate them, they have a ton of fans from the 80s, the 90s, and even the early 2000s, right. which explains why Edge has 47 houses on top of a Malibu hilltop. Right. right. Well, it's what we... we- talked about on the Red Hot Chili Peppers episode. They did the same thing where they were able to just stay relevant, evolve and acquire new fans along the way and somehow get more and more relevant the older they got. And this was, I think... But I guess like what you and I sometimes disagree with and the same thing with the Chili Peppers, that shit's hard. I don't disagree with that at all. Almost nobody pulls off being able to have hit albums 20 years into your career it almost never happens and for them to 
that's why I, I think it's an album that should be discussed when you're talking about the best albums of the decade, because it was a legendary band that basically turned the light switch back on when everyone thought their day was over. Right. It was, it was like the... Well... It was the perfect like example of a comeback album. But is that's what this was. yeah, that's the narrative for you too, and the story that you know you're telling when you talk about you too. I think when you're putting this album against other albums, you that story is irrelevant. I think as far as an album goes, this is not the 200 and whatever best album ever made. Well, I think we can agree con- to disagree in there. In the context of the. The, their career, yes, it's a comeback album, it's this and that, but there's no, I don't think, I personally, if I put this next to, let's say, a Ben Folds 5 album, not the later Ben Folds, of course. I'm saying like one or two. <laughs> okay. It's no contest which one's better for me. Right. Well, it's very personal to you, just of like course. U2's personal to me, but U2 is just a much bigger Right, they're band big. They're a the... big, huge band. And, and... I, we don't disagree. I, I think it's insane that the Chili Peppers and you two have been able to do that. And I, it should, the one last thing I'll say is you can't divorce where this, when this album came out in the fall of 2000, when we've been bemoaning on this show for two years, how shitty music got around this time that here came this veteran band that basically injected some life back into rock radio, Mm -hmm. which is, I appreciate that. I had this CD. I would pop it in my car. I would listen, I think, through a little while. Nothing on the back end, really. I didn't really remember it the way I did the top. You weren't alone, for sure. It's a very front-loaded album. It's front-loaded, and the front is a really enjoyable album, especially in the year 2000 when when we were just kind of crawling through a desert of shit, and this was a little bit of water. I like it. You're a, a, a in the year 2000 guy. I am. Some people just say 2000, but most people say in the year 2000. Yeah. Relentlessly. I like, I like saying it relentlessly. All right. Let's pick a song, Bob, for the uh, throwback podcast playlist of, available exclusively on Apple Music. That is not true at all. That is a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. It's also on the number two streaming service in the world, Spotify. It is on the best streaming service in the world, <laughs> Spotify. Um, Apple Music, U2, Spotify, Ben Folds 5. That's right. the way I look at it. There you go. And so do you. One is bloated. <laughs> and the other one is the one that... Balding? We... <laughs> oh, they're both balding. Uh, Bono's got some great plugs. All right, let's pick the song, Bob. You say let's, like you're not picking the song. Pick the song. You have to. I can't do this. Okay. I will say, though, the only uh, the only rule is you've already picked a song to spite me. When we did the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, you purposely... No, I won't pick New York. You Don't purposely worry. picked a song to spite <laughs> me. So my only request is no songs to spite me, and that would include New York and Elevation. Uh, I think just because... Um, well, I'm kind of torn here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the choice between two songs, because I really was... It really was stunning to me that you had this love for Kite that you never shared with me, which is just, again, <laughs> it says so much about you, Bob. So much about what you keep, what, what was, you can't was, leave behind, all that you can't leave it was, behind, it Bob. It was a little personal. It was a little personal. <laughs> Kite, which I love and is a great kind of deep track, and In a Little While, which we both uh, love, uh, tracks five and six. What do you think would be a better fit? It's coming after a hardcore uh, Rage Against the Machine song, but that doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think everybody listens on Shuffle anyway. Uh, 
kite is, you know, that's kind of a little too personal for me. So I'm going with A Little While, your wedding song. All right, there you go. In A Little While is the greatest uh, or the latest choice for the throwback. You said greatest. That was not a mistake. 282 out of 500, and I stand by it. Uh, uh, yes, throwback.com on Twitter. Excuse me, throwbackpod on Twitter. In the a- throwback pod. Uh, at gmail.com. You can, you can find us on Interference. The YouTube message board is Bono has AIDS. <laughs> Bono hates AIDS. Hates AIDS. I mean, he does. He does. I mean, he's been a warrior fighting that horrible affliction. Hates him. I feel like he kind of won the battle, too. Well, Magic did. Well, Magic did, yeah. Magic beat the hip, straight up. <laughs> um, Instagram throwback pod. Check us out. And um, we'll be back in couple of weeks with uh with a new episode yeah we will and uh, we appreciate everybody our patronies and everybody else even if you just listen to the show for free yeah we appreciate we like you. you we like you yeah you go don't like, know what your financial situation is of course not go give us five stars on itunes there you go thank you if you can't give us two bucks give us five stars there you go that's actually a pretty good slogan Ooh. all right signing off stan hansis and bob who's a closet U2 fan. It's been exposed today. It's it's like a small closet. It's like one of those little closets underneath the stairs, like where Harry Potter lived. Like it's like that kind of closet. Bono did it. Later. Yes, sir.